0: Blue wire.
1: Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in
0: the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, looking him Welcome back here to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. I am your host, Ari Merov. The NFL has now had three fairly successful weeks of games. Unfortunately, we do have our first hiccup of the year, like we expected it to happen. We have it now. The Tennessee Titans have had five players test positive. They've had. Six staff members test positive for COVID-19. We have our first outbreak of the year. And as of Thursday morning, we now know that the Steelers-Titans game that was scheduled for week four is not going to happen this week. The NFL just made that official. It's going to be pushed off to a later week in the NFL season. We'll know more on that later on, probably on Thursday or Friday. But, you know, coming into this season, we knew that this could happen. Dr. Allen Sells told us. Listen we're going to have positive tests. It's going to happen. We did a pretty good job for training camp. Week 1. Week 2. Week 3. We all played games. And it finally happened. It happened to Tennessee. Now we have to see what does the NFL do. How does the NFL respond. Because if you just look at the schedules for both these teams. The Titans and Steelers have different bye weeks. The Steelers have theirs in week 8. The Titans have theirs in week 7. So probably the best case scenario to do right now, based off just looking at this schedule, is you take Baltimore and Pittsburgh who play in week 7. You move them to week 8. Baltimore and Pittsburgh have the same bye week. Both of them are in week 8. You move that to week 8. You give Baltimore a bye in week 7. And you take the Titans who have a bye in week 7. You put them to play Pittsburgh in week 7. And everything is fixed over there. That would probably be the easiest solution. But the NFL is going to get together. They're going to figure this out. Hopefully there are no more positive tests from the Titans. And everything could get back under control. And, bo- and the Titans, at least, could p- get back to playing in week 5. On the field now, let's look at what's going on on the field in the NFL. There are 7 undefeated teams. But it is some of the 2-1 teams that I find to be most interesting. For example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Say what you want about Tom Brady, that defense in Tampa Bay is for real. And that offense we all know has the weapons. Give this team a little bit more time until the offense starts clicking and they could be lethal. Like that defense is one of the best in the NFL with all the great players that they have like we told you all offseason. But seeing how great it is off the bat to start the year and seeing how Tampa Bay's offense is gradually continuing to improve week after week. I'm starting to think that Tampa Bay not only will make the playoffs like I expected them to, but they could win this division over New Orleans. How about the New England Patriots? You know, Tom Brady's former team. Cam Newton is out there. He's clearly trying to prove a message. He is playing like the can that we all know and loved from back in 2015-2016. This week, he gets Kansas City. Imagine the reaction if he's able to put up the numbers and beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. Think about that. The Cleveland Browns. They are finally over 500 for the first time since 2014. A crazy stat. We said all offseason that this team... Could compete for a playoff spot. Especially since there is a 7th spot. We all saw week 1. It was such a disaster. There was a lot of overreaction. But the running game is now alive. Chubb and Hunt have been incredible. Odell told reporters last week. That I'm okay with not getting the ball. All I want to do is win. What if things are turning around in Cleveland? Kevin Stefanski these last two weeks. Has put together a pretty solid game plan. This week. They get the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. If they could beat Dallas this week, that would be a statement win. Go to 3-1 and one and then have people talk about you as if you are a legitimate team in the NFL. And then lastly, the Los Angeles Rams. They come back from down 28-3. to three. They almost won that game. They get a taste of their own medicine with the pass interference at the end of the game. But so many people doubted this team and counted them out. Dan Orlovsky was on this podcast in the offseason. I asked him about the Rams. And he was like, hey, don't sleep on the Rams. And I agree with him. And here we are now. They're two and one. Should easily be three and zero. Jared Goff looks great. Sean McVay is still one of the best coaches in the NFL. The Rams will make some noise here in the NFC. Like, don't don't fool yourself this is a legitimate team obviously they lost some pieces in the offseason but there's no reason to think this team will not be a threat in the national football conference a lot more coming up here in just a little bit with my guest Jordan Schultz he was tremendous but first a word from our sponsors DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you are craving right to your door ordering is so easy open the DoorDash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left at your door with the new contactless delivery drop off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners here for the MySports of the Football podcast can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the app. ...and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order... ...when you download the DoorDash app... ...and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. This week's episode is also brought to you by Pepsi. Now, fewer and fewer and fewer... ...probably less than 1% of people... ...will ever play professional football in the NFL. That is just a fact... But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, they're facing off on Sunday. How are you going to watch? Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day there is. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching so now here is my full discussion with ESPN's jordan schultz as we really touched base on a little bit of everything from all the good teams in the nfl like seattle green bay kansas city pittsburgh buffalo to some of the struggling teams like the Jets, to some of the disappointing teams like the Falcons, to a team like the Chicago Bears who are also 3-0, but are they for real? And much, much more. We also talked about some of the coaches who could be on the hot seat already. A lot discussed here in this episode, so let's get right into it. Here is my full discussion with Jordan Schultz. All right, joining me now here on the My Sports Update football podcast. He's an NBA and NFL insider and analyst for ESPN, a recurring guest here on the podcast, and an all-around awesome guy. It is Jordan Schultz. Jordan, welcome back here, my friend. What's going on? All right, doing great.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me on, as always. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. You, you are one of our recurring guests here, one of the, you know, our an honor. First favorite guests. I keep on getting requests to bring you back. It's, you know, I enjoy <laughs> oh, bringing so you nice. back. I enjoy being on here. Yeah, it's you're one of my favorites as well. So I gotta I gotta ask you off the bat of here because you know, we've played three weeks already in the NFL. And this is obviously the first episode that we've done during the season. I know we've had you on here four or five times. but This is the first one we've done during the season three weeks in. I know we have this tight end situation going on right now. But after three weeks, what have been your thoughts on how the season has gone thus far, the quality of play. I mean, I've been impressed.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Uh, I really did not expect to have such quality football this early on. I thought it would take at least a quarter of the season. And I think it goes back to what the league did and what the individual organizations did heading into the season. You know, um, I had so many conversations already with players who told me, like, yes, they're not in the building, but – the amount of work they've been able to get in during Zoom has been the same, in some ways more, more efficient because you don't have the same distractions as you do when you're around 40, 50 guys. And I don't know if, if the league expected this in terms of the quality of play, but I, I really didn't. And I didn't, I, didn't think, I didn't think the offenses would be this sharp. You know, If you go back to the beginning of the NBA bubble, what we saw there it took a couple weeks but generally the transition was pretty smooth I thought football already would have an even harder time because there wasn't a season beforehand right like the NBA at least had several months before it got going again and for in the NFL to come in cold and to have this level of play I think across the board has been really exciting and it's as a fan it's been great
0: it for sure has I mean I've been impressed so like you are and You know, we look around the NFL right now, and first of all, I know, as I mentioned before, the Titans thing is going on. They have four positive tests so far. The game, um, assuming there are no more positives, should be going on on Monday or Tuesday. But Dr. Allen still said before the season that he's expecting this to happen, and it took three weeks for something to happen. And thus far— I'm surprised it took that long. It took – exactly, especially when you look at training camp, people coming from across the country and getting into the building. We didn't have any major hiccups. So the oh, NFL, yeah, exactly. the NFL PA, the players, they've done a decent job so far. It's been impressive to see. But looking around the NFL, after three weeks, we have seven undefeated teams in the NFL right now, and the Bears are one of them. And, you know, it's it's crazy to me because they benched Trubisky for falls. I'm not buying all of this still. Even with Foles in now, I don't think it's sustainable for a full year. What are the Bears? Are you in on this? Because I don't think
1: I am. No, no. I think they're a seven-win team. Uh, The Bears are super flawed. You know, you think about offensively. I mean, Foles, he's one of these guys that can come in and win you some games. And all of a sudden you think, okay. We got our franchise quarterback. But if you go back and you really look at the history of his career, forget the Super Bowl. I'm just talking about regular season football. Except for that one year when we had 27-2. and two. He's never been consistent or he's gotten hurt. And they don't have the weapons around him to say, okay, well, this guy's just going defer to defer to his weapons. I mean, I don't trust Anthony Miller. Uh, I love Alan Robinson. But, you know, other than him, are we going to trust David Montgomery for a full season? Uh, Tariq Cohen gets hurt. There's just not enough there. And I think defensively, they're going to be very stout, but they're not dominant enough defensively for me, especially in a division with Aaron Rodgers, to expect them to win more than seven or eight games. I think Green Bay is clearly the class of the division. Chicago is going to be competitive, but I totally agree with you. And um, I, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't start to uh, start Foles at the beginning of the year, but I think it's the right move. Because Trubisky's clearly not the guy. It's just not sustainable for the whole season.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I always felt like after they announced that Trubisky is the starter and they won the first game and they won the second game, like, let's just try to keep Trubisky in as far as we can go. And if they're still winning or still in this division, the later on in the season, then bring in Foles because we know he's had that magic. We know what he season. is. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I felt like. Yeah, they, yeah that's true. Maybe they should do that. But here he's coming in in week four. In week one, they beat a Lions team that they should have They barely beat the Giants, who stink. And the Falcons, they choked again. They they could easily be 0-3 right now. They have the Colts this week in Nick Foles' first start. You said it before. He hasn't been consistent as a regular season quarterback. So I'm not buying that this could actually keep on going. But this year of seven playoff spots, hey – maybe nine and seven could get them into the playoffs. If they could nine and seven uh,
1: with the expanded playoffs could do it. I just don't see it. I, I put it this way. I asked a pro bowl defensive player to give me one word on Nick Foles. And he said, average. And that, and, that, and that kind of sums it up. I think he's really good in the playoffs, but as a regular season quarterback with above average average weapons, he's an average player.
0: Right, and I, I think, like, exactly. I just don't see it going for 11 games in the regular season. That's why I felt like, hey, if they're like, I don't know, six and four, and then he comes in and you're asking him to finish the season off. That's what he does,
1: exactly. exactly. I feel like it'll be
0: perfect for him. But bringing him in now and expecting him to be your guy For the rest of the season, like what the Bears have said is the plan. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll see how that goes. Another 3-0 team in the NFL right now is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you remember, Jordan, when we did the AFC preview before the season, I told you the Steelers are a dark horse Super Bowl team if Ben is healthy. What
1: did I say? I probably disagree because I'm a fool.
0: So you were all in on the Ravens, which is fine. I think they'll be fine. But the Steelers are 3-0, but the three teams that they've beaten so far are all winless, winless, 0-9 combined. But I love what I'm seeing regardless. I mean, how high are you on this team after three weeks? Because I think they're legit. I really do.
1: Well, for them, the difference with this Pittsburgh team to previous years is that defensively, they have so many more weapons. Um, You know, they they can really get after the quarterback. Fitzpatrick is fantastic. They're just not a team that, not a Pittsburgh team that we've seen in previous years where Ben had to throw the ball 40 times a game where Antonio Brown and Juju had to have 100 plus yards apiece. They can get by now with having average performances offensively, which is not to say that they will because I think offensively they're very good. I just think they're very balanced and you talk about that division. That's what Baltimore is, you know, I mean, they run the ball. They get Jackson in space defensively. They're good. That's that's what it will take to win that division and to make a sustained playoff run. So I I like Pittsburgh a lot. You were right.
0: Yep, and listen, they have the Ravens in week seven. There's still time for that, but I think that rivalry is back this year, these two teams are going to go at it till the end. So I feel like these two teams, especially when entering the season, these two teams had the easiest schedule when it comes to strength of schedule. So their schedules aren't that tough compared to, let's just say a team like the Chiefs or a team like the Patriots. So these two teams could be going at it all year for that division. I do believe that. And listen, Ben has been healthy. He's getting the rust off. The receivers are young with so much potential from Juju and Deontay and Claypool, who I love. The offensive line isn't what it once was, but I'm not overly concerned and in that defense. We all know what it is. We all, you know, what we thought before the season, it's been even better. I mean, it's insanely good. They shut down Saquon. It's a real team. And I think as the season goes on, they're just going to continue to get better. And it's going to be Ravens versus Steelers in that division all year long.
1: I remember having Bud Dupree on yeah. uh, my show this summer, mm-hmm. and he, he talked a lot about how the defense was going to be different. You know, and how they had faith in Big Ben coming back healthy. And obviously, it's a very short, small sample size. But everything he said, getting after the quarterback, turnovers, uh, Big Ben, it's its come to fruition.
0: It really has. Remember what I told you when we did that episode? Like, there's something about what they're all talking about, Ben. It just feels different. I know they're all going to say all the right things. But it felt like it was coming from all the directions possible, When whether it was the media or his teammates or – you know, his coaches, they all kept on saying the same thing that he looks different and his elbow is is feeling okay. Field. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and you he, mentioned Thompson and uh and Claypool. Those those two young receivers are terrific. I mean Claypool is basically a tight end who you can line up anywhere. And Thompson has that ability to play all over the field. He can play X, Z, Y. I mean, and you, you can complement that with, with Juju and Snell. I mean that Connor, that's a lot. A lot to like
0: Chase Claypool. Somebody told me this is some is what the Giants hoped Evan Ingram would be, I and mean, it hasn't happened yet. I just, I was just thinking that he
1: he's he's a much better version of Ingram. I mean, I think Ingram's got a lot of ability, but so far he's he's been hurt and consistent. That's exactly right.
0: Yep, it's off again, and, and this season again. I mean, Ingram has just not produced. He had a couple of drops in that first game against Pittsburgh, actually, and um, now with Saquon out for the year, we'll get to the Giants later on. But like. It's just been a rough start for him. He's on his fi- He has a fifth-year option, which was picked up for next year, but he's a player who has a lot of potential. He's been hurt by a bunch of injuries, but he just hasn't shown it yet, and I've been all-in on Chase Claypool. I think he's the real deal, and so far after three games, he has been really, really impressive. Um, I want to talk about this team, the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champs. They just played on Monday night. I really don't know why so many people lean to Baltimore this year as if Kansas City just fell apart this offseason. I mean, all the coaches are back, all the players, almost all the players were back. I mean, I love Baltimore, but if Kansas City is healthy and Patrick Mahomes is doing Patrick Mahomes things, like, I, as much as I love Pittsburgh, I don't think there's any team in the AFC that is beating Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I mean, Baltimore, that 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 game on Monday was such a disappointment. I mean, just across the board, both sides of the ball. I asked, uh, I spoke with Justin Tuck, who played for uh, Steve Spagnuolo, and he said that, The thing that Spags does really well is he really knows how to, you know, bottle up and manipulate mobile quarterbacks. And he talked about how when they used to play Mike Vick, they always felt like they had the scheme, even more so than against a drop-back quarterback. They felt like they could bottle up a running quarterback. And that's what we saw with Lamar, save for a couple runs.
0: You know what's interesting? You bring up Spagnuolo. Ever since he came in there to Kansas City – Like, you know, they fired Bob Sutton. They brought him in. That defense has become so much better, and we really don't hear much about Spagnuolo and the difference he's made there. Like, Well,
1: I think, yeah, you're right. You're right.
0: It's interesting because, like, obviously, we're here from New York, and he was such a big deal for the Giants for that one Super Bowl run where they beat the undefeated Patriots, and he's had success in other places as well at times. He got there to Kansas City, and they renew him, and that defense is actually pretty good when you look at that offense, they don't need that much out of their defense. They get the job done for him, and if that defense is playing the way it was, I know Tyron Matthew has been going on these Twitter rampages saying this defense is for real. Like, if they're playing the way they just played on Monday night against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, and the offense is doing what the offense has been doing for, for so long, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a team in the AFC that could really compete with them. This team is so talented top to bottom. I don't see yeah. anybody here in this AFC, as of right now, after one month of football, that could dethrone them.
1: Yeah, well, you, you mentioned that. Yeah, you're, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, defensively, between Clark and Chris Jones, who they gave, I think, $20 million a year, mm-hmm. that, it, those two guys are just game records And then you think about the back end. One guy who's really getting better fast is, is Juan Thornhill. I Thornhill, thought he yeah. – I thought he played really well against Baltimore. He's had some injury issues, but uh, you mentioned Honey Badger. Defensively, if they're average, let alone really good, I don't know who's beating them. I really don't.
0: And I I agree with that. I mean, for sure. And you mentioned Thornhill. That's somebody in Kansas City that they've been talking so highly of coming back from that ACL injury. Now, right now in the NFL, I I would say this. I think there's only one team that – could probably hang point for point with Kansas City, and that's probably Seattle for me. Like, I don't like some things about the Seahawks, like their pass rush, let's just say, but if the Seahawks are letting Russ cook the way he is right now, I really don't think there's a better team in the NFC.
1: i tell you what, um, offensively, I knew you were gonna say Seattle because of what Russell's done, but if you think about that team offensively and how good he's been, right now he's, he's a clear-cut MVP. And then you think about the weapons around him, right? Carson, Lockett, Metcalf. Those three guys, to me, are all elite. And I think what we've seen from a maturation standpoint, specifically of DK Metcalf, he looks like Julio Jones. He looks like a, like a Julio Jones, Josh Gordon mix. Big, physical, fast, nasty, everything you want. In your number one receiver. And um, – He's, I've gotten to know DK really well. and nice. hes he, he talks to Tyler like Tyler's his big brother, even though Tyler's much smaller. But that connection that they have, they're in such sync with Russell. And as a result, Schottenheimer, he's been very good. But I think when push comes to shove, just get those guys the ball. I mean, Russell's going to deliver the ball every single time on the money for the most part. So if you can just... Get out of your own way, which is something that Daryl Bevel was never able to do consistently. Then Seattle is going to score a lot of points. But defensively, that pass rush is the worst I've seen. The worst. Uh, no clowny has been a big deal. And they just don't have anybody to get after the quarterback. That's the big concern.
0: It for sure is. And Bruce Irvin tweeted today that he had his ACL surgery, just another pass rush that they lost. Yep. Obviously not re-signing Clowney, scratch some heads there um, for the Seattle fans, especially after trading for Jamal Adams. You know, why not just get the cherry on top and bring back Clowney? But I want to go back to Metcalf for a second because, first of all, I know that you had him on your Instagram. You've gotten to know him pretty well. But, you know, the guy had dropped to 64. I tweeted, I tweeted this um, a few weeks ago um, during the um, Sunday night game against New England. We always talk about fit during the draft process, right? DK Metcalf probably sitting and waiting until the end of the second round. I'm sure it sucked for him, but there's probably no better place for him to end up than Seattle. I mean, with Russell Wilson in that deep ball, which is so gorgeous every time. It's he the plays, best deep ball in the league by far. It's not even by close. Far. It's not even close. And every time he does it, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's so beautiful the way it comes out and just lands perfectly in the bucket Having Metcalf there in Seattle was such a perfect fit. And I think you're the one who tweeted this after what happened on Sunday where he, you know, Travon Diggs popped him
1: Yeah, on the two-yard line. He's going
0: to come back and he's going to score a touchdown. Like, I'm pretty sure it was you, right? Yeah,
1: I I, 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 I said he's going to come back and he'll make a great play. I don't know if I said touchdown. I I hope I did.
0: Something like like that. I
1: hope I tweeted that. I know I put it on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know. Regardless. Yes, Ari, you're right. Good memory. (laughs) <laughs> uh, a lot of people hit me up after that. Oh, you're such a homer because, you know, I'm from Seattle. And I just said, J- just wait and watch. It'll happen. It'll happen. And sure enough, game-winning touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of kid he is. Uh, he's just a winner. And, you know, he, uh, he mentioned waiting on draft night. I, it was incredibly disappointing. But he's in the, the perfect fit. And he's, he's with a, he's with an organization that celebrates his uh, his passion and that killer instinct that not all guys have. He has it. I think Seattle's offense is going to be dangerous and elite the whole year. I mean, there's nothing
0: that's going to stop him. Uh, and, and you're, you're totally right. And, you know, looking at Metcalf, again, being in Seattle, Russell Wilson is awesome. Russell Wilson has talked about playing until he's 45. He's going to six, be yeah. he's, he's going to be there for a very long time. He's a star in the making. There's no doubt about it. I liked your comparison to Julio. I mean, the, him and Lockett. Lockett has been there for, I believe, already five or six years. There are only three quarterback wide receiver combos in the NFL that have been together in the NFL for that long it's Rodgers and Adams there's Julio and Matt Ryan and there's Lockett and Wilson that's it after Dalton and AJ Green broke up this off season, wow. Else, wow it's an incredible set. Yeah,
1: it's been I, it for I, a I, long time yeah i'm going to make a comparison okay i don't know if this is blasphemy or not but just i haven't thought about this but the comparison for me with Lockett he reminds me a lot of uh, Marvin Harrison, when he's with Indy, where they had Reggie Wayne, they had Reggie Wayne, who was more of like a, I don't know if he was more of a star, but he was considered, you know, more of a number one because Harrison was in the slide a lot and on the left side. That's the comparison I would make. I and mean, then you think about, uh, and you think about Metcalf being this dominant physical presence. They're just such a good complement. And Lockett's just a machine. I mean, he's a much better version of Doug Baldwin.
0: He's quick. He's fast. Catches everything. He plays big. He plays like he's 6'4". It's Listen, Lockett has been one of the most underrated players one of the underrated yeah, in the NFL for such a long time. Maybe it's because he plays in Seattle. But I remember when he got his extension. It was like a three-year deal for 30-something million. People, People laugh at it because they thought they were paying a punt returner. And he was like, I mean, no. that,
1: Well, it, it, people that laugh either don't watch or don't know what they're watching because he's a true number one receiver. Now, it just so happens they have another number one. And then you have Carson. The only concern going back is, is the uh, defensive front. I mean, I, Adams and Wagner can make those plays, but the lack of a real pass rusher is going to be an issue. And I, I wonder if they don't make a, a move at some point during the year to bring in someone that can create
0: pressure. That pass rush is an issue. They don't have that much draft capital to make something work. Losing Bruce Irvin, who obviously isn't that big of a player anymore, but still losing a player like him. The offensive line and the defensive line, both of them are kind of an issue. But, again, if they're letting Russ cook, the way that you know Twitter has been talking about this, let Russ cook, if they're letting him do this, I really like Seattle here in the NFC. But there's another team that I want to talk about in the NFC that I feel like will be a serious threat. Green Bay? Before I go to Green Bay, I also want to mention Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is the other team. And let me, let me explain why. This team is 2-1. I think we all knew that this offense wouldn't be, wouldn't be lights out to start the year. But we also knew that the defense was for real at the end of last year and should only get better. This has been one of the best defenses in the NFL so far. And eventually the offense will get into the flow. I mean, I like Tampa entering the season a lot. I thought the Saints would be better. But I could see the Bucks taking this division as the season goes on. If they stay healthy, I think they're gonna be a big threat in the NFC.
1: Yeah, Tampa's got everything. I mean, defensively, they they got overlooked in the offseason because of all the noise with Brady and, and Gronk. But, you know, you, you talk about Levante David, Shaq Barrett, uh, young corners. I, I like them a lot. The only the only question I have with Tampa is as uh, offensively, what what's I know Brady had three TDs last week, but what's what's keeping them right now? from being a great offense from being elite is it the lack of synergy or is it the fact that Brady is not what he was won't stay in the pocket and doesn't want to get hit and he's just not quite as accurate because if it's that then they're going to be good but they're not going to be great if Brady could just be a little bit more accurate and they can give him a little bit more time then I think they'll be very very tough but I'm still not convinced to say they're as good as a Seattle or green Bay because of that.
0: Right. But I just feel like, you know, we know Tom as the season goes on and the weapons are all there. It's a team that obviously there was no training camp. There was no OTAs. There was no preseason. I know they were working out together a lot, but still, and Diana Racine was on here before the season for the NFC preview. She said that, you know, as the season starts, the offense won't be great, and I agree with her. But I feel like as we get to week 7, eight, 9, it's going to start clicking. The offensive line has gotten better each and every week. I know Chris Godwin is hurt right now. Tom Brady had three touchdowns on Sunday. Rob Gronkowski was involved for the first time all season. I just feel like as the season goes on, the offense will be better, and the defense will be great the way it's been up until now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the defense is terrific. Do you, do you think do – you, do you like the Fournette-Jones combo? you feel like that's really good?
0: I mean, I'm fine with it, you know, because, you know, adding Fournette is like, why not? And I also didn't buy the Ronald Jones hype because Bruce Aarons has talked about his running backs a lot. And for the most part, every time he mentions a running back, that running back ends up doing nothing. So he's been hard to trust on who he's actually playing. The way I looked at it was whoever Tom wants the running back to be, that guy's going to be the running be. back. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so far... Fair. Yeah, so, so far it's been a little bit of a mix of both. I think eventually it's going to be Fournette's job as the season goes on. But, yeah, why not add him? You know what I mean? Like, get him into this offense as well. It's a stacked roster. And, you know, defensively, we've talked about it. Seven different players have had a sack so far this year. The front seven we know is nasty. The secondary is young. The rookie, Winfield, Antoine Winfield, has been tremendous.
1: Uh, He's great. Yeah, he's great. He reminds me a lot, a lot of his dad. Yeah, you know, He just he just makes
0: plays. Exactly, and he's been great, and they keep on hyping him up there in Tampa Bay. Um, you mentioned JPP Barrett, Sue, the, uh, Devin White, Levante, David. The defense will lead the way. The offense will start clicking. I think this is a serious team, but I want to go to the team you mentioned before, Green Bay, and they play on Monday night against Atlanta, right? We talked about the Seahawks earlier. We just talked about the Bucks. What Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are doing right now is – it's seriously it's impressive no Devontae Adams last week and it didn't matter for him and there's just something about Aaron Rodgers that just it's different and he's opened up about it like he goes on Pam McAfee's show every Tuesday and he and he said that I've changed my style of life this offseason I'm just focusing on the positive I'm a happier person and I feel like it's just resonating on the field he looks like he's having a lot of fun
1: yeah well you're having a lot more fun when you don't have to worry about a Superdome crowd either Mm -hmm. that that snap count, that cadence on the road, no quarterback in the league is going to have a bigger advantage than Rodgers. So, if you think about the weapons they have around them, Aaron Jones is elite. He's elite. Uh, when Adams comes back, we know how good he is. Uh, Lazard as a, a young young receiver, uh, MBS. And then the other part about Green Bay is, I I, I I mean, this is the cherry pick off of the announcers on uh, Sunday night, but, you know, the, the connection clearly between – Rodgers and Lafleur is there. I don't know if it was there right away. LeFleur is a young guy, didn't have the experience. But, man, uh, it's a special connection. You can see the confidence brewing. And I remember talking to Matt when he took that job. And he was so excited because, you know, to work with Aaron Rodgers, right, an all-time great. But it it seems like it took them until now. It took them at least a season to really find that synergy together. And now there's trust. And when Rodgers trusts you, as he never did with Mike McCarthy, as he trusts Matt LaFleur, I think it's going to be even better. And then Adam's coming back. So I'm very high on Green Bay. I think Zadarius Smith is one of the best five or six defensive players in the league, period. Uh, He's not Khalil Mack, but he reminds me of him. He makes those kind of plays. And, uh, yeah, Green Bay's a real deal, real deal.
0: Let me ask you this. You know, there was so much talk this offseason about Jordan Love getting drafted and what does this mean for Aaron Rodgers. How much do you think that actually um, is a motivating factor for him to doing this well? Do you think that makes any difference? Or he's I think just... it
1: pissed him off. Yeah. No, it pissed him off. For sure. For sure. And he made that clear. And talking to someone that's very close to him, I, I can assure you, it made him very upset. That being said. I don't know if it's like a motivating factor. I just think, I mean, it's hard to quantify that, right? Like, does the fact they drafted your heir apparent make you want to try harder, make you want to play better? I think he's already there. But it's certainly certainly an interesting storyline. And uh, I I happen to really like Jordan Love, but the fact that Rodgers is playing at this level three games in, I mean, Russell, Rodgers, Mahomes, those are the three MVP candidates. It it says a lot.
0: It does say a lot. And, you know, we talked so much this offseason about – What happens if Devontae Adams gets hurt? Who's going to be the receivers there Sunday night? It was really no problem there for Aaron Rodgers. And here, again, under the lights here on Monday night against Atlanta, I want to talk about the Falcons for a second because I don't know where to start. I mean, I genuinely feel bad for their fans. I know that you know that organization pretty well. Do you think this can get fixed with this coaching staff? Because fans are frustrated. And, of course, they have Aaron Rodgers coming in now on Monday night. I mean – I, don't, I really don't know what to say to Falcons fans. It's, it's so brutal oh. what's going on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really tough. I mean, the Dallas game was all time. Then you, you compliment that with the Chicago game last week. Uh, it's just brutal. It, it's just brutal. Um, the thing about Atlanta is offensively, that team is going to put up points all year. I mean, Ridley and Jones and Ryan, I mean, that, that's a lethal, I call it the lethal triangle. I think defensively, because of injuries and cap restrictions, they have not been able to sustain it. And I do think they'll turn it around. But when you're 0-3, very difficult. You know the stats. It's almost impossible to make the playoffs. But the one thing about Atlanta, Ari, is that there is a certain amount of pride and respect internally in that organization with Dan Quinn. Now, I know he's had issues because of the Super Bowl situation. I'm just going to call it that. And since then, Atlanta's inability to really find themselves again. But having talked to some players before the season, albeit not yet in the season, just trying to give guys space, uh, there's a lot of respect in that building for DQ. So if anybody can turn it around, it'll be him. But I'm very concerned. I mean, 0-3 with two losses that you really should have won both those games is very disappointing, especially when we know that Atlanta has had these issues in the past closing games.
0: Yeah. And you know, last year, there was so much talk about maybe just starting a new regime. They held on to Dan Quinn after that amazing end of season run where they beat San Francisco. They went on yeah. a winning streak, right? This year, you know, you, you're own three right now, you have green Bay this week and green Bay. It's going to be a tough one. But after that, you look at their schedule, they have Carolina, Minnesota, Detroit, Carolina, and Denver. So the schedule starts to get a little bit easier. So maybe they could string something together there. Again, you mentioned the offense. I mean, it's 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 silly just how how many good players are there. I mean, from you mentioned Ridley and Julio. Ridley is in emer- he'll a he will be really terrific.
1: Yeah. he would be a one yeah, for he, so
0: many terrific. teams. He would be a one for so many teams. I mean, he's 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 so good. He's I'm- great. He, he's he's incredible. Julio, I know he's banged up, but when you put those two together, you have, you have Hayden Hurst, Russell Gage has been impressive. Todd Gurley has shown some life. He hasn't been great the way he once was, but still, he's there. It's like, I feel like, I don't know what's going to happen Monday night. After that, the schedule gets a little bit easier. There's a lot of talk about Dan Quinn moving on from him. That ownership has had patience, so I'm not expecting anything to happen, but something has to get turned around quick. If it's going to be a blowout on Monday night, do you think something could happen?
1: It, it, oh, if, if Atlanta gets blown out, no, I don't think Arthur Blank is that kind of owner. I mean, he's proven over the years, uh, over the years, to you know be very patient. You think about Coach Smith beforehand, some of the lo- a lot of losses that piled up, and you got a lot of chances. Ultimately, it, it did pay off. So no, I don't, I don't expect anything, regardless of what happens Monday night. But tell you what, they got to start winning games. I mean, it's 0-3 is is pretty bad.
0: Right, for sure. I also feel like just firing a coach during the year in this type of year, it just doesn't. Not going right. to do anything. It, it's, yeah, not, it's not it, going to do anything unless you have any sort of plan or goal of what's going to happen with your new head coach, the interim head coach. I don't see it happening. But there is one team that it could happen to, and we're both from New York. The Jets have been an utter disaster. It's it's been embarrassing. Jets fans all want Gase out. It could happen soon. But I look at this team top to bottom. They, they really have nobody. Like, I don't even know, what is the plan here, even if Gase is out?
1: Well, first of all, yeah, in my opinion, they made a mistake drafting Sam Darnold. I talked about it throughout the pre-draft process. Afterward, I think he's a really cool guy. People seem to like him. I think he stinks. I, I think he flat out is not an NFL starting quarterback, let alone a top 10, top 20 pick. He's just not. And I know he doesn't have the weapons around him, that's understandable. But what we've seen throughout the past few years, and I've seen him in person, um, both in college and the NFL, he, he just doesn't have whatever that it is. And um, for me, when I think about the Jets, first of all, Adam Gase is pro- – I don't want to call him the most unqualified head coach in the league, but he's up there. And uh, w- what he's done in Miami and then the charades he's pulled in New York, uh, he has no business running that organization or any organization as a head coach. He just doesn't because he doesn't relate to players. He doesn't seem to improve quarterbacks. And most importantly, nobody seems to really understand what the hell he's talking about. And so with, 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 you know, with Adam Gase, it's like, enough is enough. I mean, I don't know what else you're waiting for. Nothing's going to turn around. He shouldn't have talked about never should have been hired. I mean, that, that's like the ultimate. So you know, w- w- when your head coach and your quarterback are both uh, negatives, you, you're not going to win any games. Um, so I, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm obviously incredibly disappointed. Um, I've been very critical of Woody Johnson. I've been critical of Joe Douglas and uh, obviously Adam Gates. I don't know what you can do to make that thing better, but um, there's nothing that's going to happen right now for me to, to say, oh, I'm optimistic about anything. So if there's any coach that deserves to be fired or that will be fired this season or first, it will be Adam Gates because nothing positive is going on
0: in that locker room so yeah more mentioned on sunday that if the the Jets ownership and executives have heard the fans and all the criticism and they started to take notice they lost ugly on sunday they play on thursday night against denver who has their third oh i can't wait for that game that's gonna
1: yeah. be great
0: well after the debate <laughs> last night i'm looking forward to it. but yeah, that's true but you know it's it's like if they lose ugly to a third string quarterback on thursday night football i could see something happening but you mentioned sam darnold i just Look at what he's been playing with throughout his th- his 3 years. I don't really know how you could judge him, especially when you had a defensive-minded head coach in those first 2 years, in the first year, and then you had Adam Gase as your head coach the next 2 years, and then your receivers and tight ends and offensive line were all a joke.
1: No, I mean that's fair. And that's what I was saying like I understand he hasn't had the weapons, but a lot of quarterbacks can be competitive and make do without elite players. You know, it is it, one thing it's one thing to be you know, to, to struggle and to throw interceptions, you know, make bad decisions when you're, when you, when you need to, you know, come back because your defense can't make any plays or can't get off the field and you have to start forcing things. But with Darnold, it's just a continuing trend of ineptitude. And, um, you know, you, you talk about player options and the fact that he's still a young quarterback. I hope for his sake, put it this way, Ari, that he gets a shot somewhere else because uh, even if he was productive in new york long term i just think it's almost impossible with the way that organization is set up top to bottom to have real success as a quarterback there
0: Mm -hmm. and you know joe douglas has a lot on his hands obviously he's been there for I don't know, like a half, a, a full regular season, but only one off season. And he signed a bunch of one-year contracts with all these offensive linemen and other players. It hasn't worked out clearly. Um, Adam Gase is clearly on his way out. At some point, it's going to happen. I mean, I think it's inevitable uh, Inevitable at this point. So there's so much going on here with the Jets. I mean, it's, it's clearly going downhill. It looks like they've broken Sam Darnold. I mean, it's sad to see, but I want to talk about, um, the other new york team here and that's the the giants because you know we talked about them a little bit earlier but Saquon gets hurt after the year it stinks fine but i don't know sunday they played against the 49ers i've never seen a team missing that many good players in one game and then completely destroy their opponent And I look at Joe judge. I look at Daniel Jones. I look at this team. It hasn't been at all. Like I can't even say anything positive about them.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, the the giants have been snake bitten so badly by injuries. You you talked about Saquon. I mean, he really, he's the face of that organization. And so I I feel badly for Joe judge. I I feel for Daniel Jones. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast, but I am a big Daniel Jones fan. I'm a believer in him. I thought last year, uh, he, showed, he showed a lot, and I know he's fumbled the ball a ton, and that's got to be something that's cleaned up. But the offensive line has done him no favors. Um, I, I just don't know how the Giants this year are going to salvage it because the the only, the only way they could really start to find some rhythm for me is if you really oversimplify the playbook for Jones, went to a true, consistent West Coast offense, uh, got a one, two, three quick reads, and, and just tried to rely – on you know playmakers making plays whether it's ingram or slayton um or Shepard or tate when they come back otherwise you're just asking too much of a second year quarterback whose best player one of the best running backs in the league is out and has a very young inexperienced offensive line specifically on the left side with thomas who i do like but he's just not there yet so um i'm more optimistic about the giants both short and long term but in terms of this season uh both both those teams are-, are in trouble no question
0: So, you know, you look at the Giants, Gettleman, if this continues, he's not going to be there for long. Gase with the Jets probably won't be there for long. The talk in New York right now and the media, obviously, they always sometimes jump ahead a little bit. But both these teams are looking at possibly having top three picks. Would you consider Trevor Lawrence for either of these teams if they could draft him?
1: Well, 100% for the Jets. Uh, If I'm the Jets, I mean, I would do everything I possibly can to get Trevor Lawrence. If I'm the Giants, I think it's a uh, it's so early to say, oh, we're going to give up on daniel jones I, I I wouldn't no I think you I think he's a building block, and I haven't really been able to evaluate this draft because of the lack of games and all the uh you know uncertainty around college football, but there's no question in my mind that you can win with Daniel Jones. Uh, I feel the opposite about darnold
0: you know it's it's just amazing because here in New York. Both these teams are so bad, and I was reading the New York Post last week. I believe it was the New York Post, and that was one of the articles that was written. That's just how much both these teams are just so bad, and we're already talking about the 2021 draft and taking a quarterback. So that's the situation here with the two New York teams, or you could call them two New Jersey teams, because there's really only one team in New York, and that's the Buffalo Bills. We talked about before the quarterbacks in the MVP conversation. Josh Allen is in that conversation as well. What he has done for the first three weeks has been just amazing. He has been lights out, proving the doubters wrong. I know he played two bad teams to start the year. Last week versus the Rams, they almost blew a 28-3 lead. They actually did blow it, but they came back to win after a controversial call. Do you think this play by Josh Allen is sustainable for the rest of the year? Because I know people are still doubting him.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think there's so much to lie. I was all in on Buffalo before the season, and I know uh, they were a trendy pick. And first of all, Josh Allen has, like, I, I think he's a future superstar. Um, I, I've, I've always been a fan, um, you know, just going back to his Wyoming days because of the big arm. Um, I mean, obviously he was not accurate coming out of coming out of college. And he still misses throws. He still missed his throws. But um, I I feel like I was maybe somewhat critical of him uh, with the accuracy. And maybe I should have been more. But the the ability to go up top to Diggs, uh, he's never had that. And then you throw in John Brown and Beasley over the middle uh, and a really good young running back. I I just think Buffalo has so many good young players. They they remind me a lot of Seattle uh, when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Really good young quarterback on a rookie deal. Uh, really good young defense. A lot of guys still haven't been paid. And uh, just, just a team that you can see really getting better over the next two to three years. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team yet, but I think all of the tool or all the pieces they have and the tools for Josh Allen, uh, they're going to beat a lot of teams this year. And within three years, I think Buffalo wins the Super Bowl. I, I really do. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with them. Brandon being the GM has done an unbelievable job in a very short period of time. And uh, there's just not a lot – there's a whole lot to like and very little not to like.
0: This is probably the biggest difference between the Jets and the Bills, the coaching staff and the front office, right? Buffalo is just ultra impressive with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the rest of the staff there, Brian Dayball, Leslie Frazier, and everyone else there. The Jets have been an utter disaster. They're professionals.
1: They're they're professionals. The Jets don't have any professional people. You know, and and it, it reflects on the field. It really does.
0: And it's probably been, it's probably one of the most underappreciated coaches and front offices in the league is in Buffalo because what they've built ever since Brandon Bean got there from top to bottom, the way they've drafted, the way they've spent their money and the way they've just coached, you can make an argument that it's a top, it's been top three in the NFL.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned, uh, underappreciated those who know though, they know, you know, when, when oh, yeah. Brandon Bean came from Carolina, um, you know, people, critics said, he was too young. But the, the people in the football business that, that knew him and knew what he was capable of from a talent evaluator perspective, leadership, personality, ability to connect with players and coaches, uh, he, you know, he, he's the real deal. He's the, he's the full package. He, he's kind of like, you know what he's like? He, he reminds me of John Schneider in a sense of um, his ability to relate and evaluate young players. And, I, you know, the, the, the track record for, for being so far is as good as you're going to find for a young GM.
0: Totally. And, you know, I feel like if you just ask, you know, a general football fan, who's the head coach in Buffalo? Like some people they don't even know. know. They wouldn't know because yeah, this they, team they, doesn't they get know. that much national recognition. They're starting to, but they never did. They never got it, and McDermott has been amazing. Leslie Frazier at defensive corner has been amazing. Brian Dayball is someone who could be a head coach one day as the offensive coordinator has been great with Josh Allen. You mentioned Brandon Bean and the rest of the front office who have all made tremendous moves. A um, couple more things here. Um, I'm going to name three teams here who do not have wins yet. Um, which team do you actually think could turn it around? The Texans? The Vikings, and they play each other this week, and then the Eagles.
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't say congrats to Bill's Mafia. I love Bill's Mafia. They're, they're, the be- they're some of the best fans. So if there's any Bill's Mafia fans out there, happy for you. Did um, you see what
0: Brian Fitzpatrick said this week?
1: Uh, no. W- w- what
0: was it? He, he said, um, from all, which is your favorite NFL city? And he's oh, he like, said Buffalo? He said Buffalo. He's like, I'm probably going <laughs> to get in trouble for this because I'm in Miami now, but it's they Buffalo, them, man. man. And yeah, then they asked him right. why, and he's like, Because it's Buffalo. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're amazing. But back yeah. to the question. Um,
1: yeah, I would say I, I would say Houston only because of Deshaun Watson. Um, I I'm ready to I'm pretty much ready to give up on Minnesota. They they look completely checked out. The Eagles, I didn't really understand that he's in hype with that team. Uh I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz, respectfully. I just uh he he makes he, he seems to make the same mistakes over and over again, you know, forcing the ball in tight coverage. You can make the same argument. Hasn't had a lot of great receivers injuries. That's fine. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like if you go back to last week, just, just a tangent on the Eagles, you know, Miles Sanders had like six carries for 54 yards or something to begin the game. And then they just go away from him. Like he got hurt or he's not even on the field. It was so strange. Uh, he, he's been their best player all year in three games. And, I think he's a great young running back. They don't really give him the ball. So, the, the, you know, it's a whole nother deal. Um, but in terms of turning it around, I'll, I'll, say the, I'll say Houston simply because I think Deshaun Watson's elite, and I think he's still learning how to play without Darnell Hopkins. And, uh, you know, I, I, Will Fuller's a good young player. He's been hurt a lot. But in terms of any of those teams turning it around, I'm not super optimistic, but I would lead Houston.
0: Yeah, and Houston has, has probably had the toughest schedule to start this season. Kansas City week one. Baltimore week two, and then Pittsburgh week three. I mean, that's kind of brutal. They have Minnesota this oh, yeah. week, then Jacksonville, and then a big divisional game with Tennessee. That's their next three games. We all know how great Deshaun Watson is. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably the team, considering the schedule they've had up until now, that I could see turning it around. They've done it before. They started 0-3, I believe it was two years ago. And then made the playoffs. Okay, let's wrap this up here with a basketball topic. I know you're excited for this. NBA Finals gets underway tonight. How do you see this series going, Lakers Heat?
1: Well, uh, I'm going to be in the minority here, big time. Well, I have Miami. I have Miami. really. Uh, I had a I had a future on them, and this and this can be verified on national television or ESPN2, whatever digital. I can't remember. I think it was before we started up with the daily wager game. It was in the summer, so it might just be online. I, I'm going to get it. I'm going to post on Instagram, though. I had a 40-to-1 future, Ari, on the Heat to win the East back in, like, May or June. So I am a massive, massive fan of that entire organization. Um, you know, I've been extremely high on Tyler Hero throughout his, his college days and then going to Miami, the perfect fit. The guy that surprised me, though, and, and then I was just flat-out wrong on, was, was Bam out of bio. I, I didn't see this. Uh, he's not only become a really good player, he's become, I think, a top 15 All-NBA caliber player. And as a result, I think Miami has a great chance to win the series. I'm picking them in seven. And uh, I just think they're going to shock the
0: world one more time. Interesting. I want to ask you something because you know basketball for sure better than I do. But having no fans at this bubble, do you feel like it kind of lets the younger guys just do their thing and there's not that much pressure? You know, because like Tyler, oh, yeah, Hero, he's yeah. 20 years old. Like for a 20-year-old to do this on that stage is insane. But then I feel like having no fans is just—it's like just playing in the gym. Hero is not the
1: kind of guy though that would struggle with fans. Like, like I mean, I I had a I had a whole thing with John Calipari last week on my show and mm-hmm. on on the boardroom, and he he, he said he said I tell he said I, I tell Tyler he's got elephant balls. I mean, Hero is not the kind of guy that would be nervous. He's just he he's he's very different and he's special. But. You no, know, to a point, I think that's that, that's probably fair. And it's also a real big shame that we're not going to get LeBron headed to Miami because you can imagine right. how yeah. just electric that would have been uh, in Miami and South Beach. But uh, as a whole, I think the, what the bubble has done is it's really forced guys to lock in. You know, there's, when, you, when you think about a regular NBA season or a playoff run when you're on the road, the amount of distractions, especially in cities like Miami and L.A., are endless. And, and I've had so many. Conversations with young players or then veterans who, you know, talked about when when they were young going on the road and how difficult it was to stay locked in. In the bubble, a team like Miami, especially, that has a clear-cut leadership structure: Pat Riley, Eric Spoelstra, Jimmy Butler. Those three guys uh, is so locked in, and then the Lakers, to a degree as well, with LeBron. Um, I, I just think it, it benefits those teams the most, and uh, it's 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 not it should not be a surprise that two of the most mature teams and organizations in the league are
0: in the finals for sure i mean it's, it's been so impressive so far to watch this team like from being a five seed i remember watching the nba all these years and it felt like if you're the one or the two seed it's probably yeah, you're the, in you're in yeah. right for a five yeah. seed to meet it, it, it it's it's so impressive i feel like the bubble has something to do with it i just don't know exactly what it is but it's going to be a great finals matchup i wish it was in miami and la but unfortunately we can't what do you that. got who do you got? I, you got the Lakers. Don't I got, you? I got the Lakers.
1: You got the Lakers. You got the Lakers in five.
0: I bet. No, I, I, I always for every NBA finals ever, I just feel like it's going to go six. I don't know why. I feel like six yeah. is the perfect number.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's great storylines on each side. If LeBron gets his uh, his fourth, it'll be three with different three uh, with different teams, and obviously, if Miami wins, it'll be a great story. I mean, just you know, a team of. I don't want to say underdogs, but certainly a team that was overlooked.
0: For sure. All right, Jordan, I want to thank you here for taking the time again today. If people don't already, they could follow you on Twitter. It is at Schultz underscore report. On Instagram, it is at Jordan Schultz. I'm going to be looking out for that thing about the Miami Heat in the future. I want to see that. Yeah, I got to post that because nobody's going to believe me if I don't. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for it. But fantastic follows on both. Jordan, I really appreciate it, my man. Thanks for coming on. All right, keep killing it, man. Thank you. So that was Jordan Schultz of ESPN. Special thanks to him for coming on the podcast here this week. He's always welcome on the podcast. He has been the most... Um often guests that we've had here on the podcast, um and he's just always great, always great insight there from him, so special thanks again to him for coming on the podcast here this week. That does it here for this week's my sports update football podcast. Special thanks to all of you for listening this week for downloading each and every week for rating for reviewing, for subscribing. All of that is greatly appreciated. I am your host, Ari Marab. I'll be back for another episode next week. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy week four of the NFL season. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you all next week.
1: This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1